nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 842, May 3rd, 2022. We reached a high on this day of 93 degrees in 1949, and it was 18 degrees in 1967. We have no ice outs today, but, but we are not done with ice outs. And Billy Stein notes at long last on May 2nd, we have ice out on Cedar Lake and Mille Lacs, upper, lower, and middle pus and lard went out May 1st. It's been a dreadful winter. Yes, it has. But it's going to get warm one of these days. The kids are going to want to swim. We'll have at least one 80-degree day this summer, and you want to be ready, so call Aquaside. At least one. We'll have at least one. <laughs> we're, we're giving a new definition to summer in Minnesota is about three months of bad skating. Uh, call Aquaside if you own a lake home or have a pond on your property. They'll keep your beach free of weeds and algae. They've been doing so for more than 60 years with products they create and manufacture right there in White Bear Lake. The products are easy to use, and they work quickly. And uh, Aquaside products are registered with both the EPA and DNR, and their products are completely safe for you, the fish, and your family. No need to let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call Aquaside today. They'll help you identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all summer long. Particularly, those Aquaside pellets are easy to use. You simply fan them out over the treatment area, and they begin working right away. Call Aquaside at one 800 328-9350 or go to aquaside.com And now from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media John Hyde in the newsroom and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushire. Uh, okay. Where to begin? <laughs> Who leaked Samuel Alito's draft opinion striking down Roe versus Wade and why? That to me is the most interesting question of this developing story. Who leaked it and why? What is your suspicion? Uh, there's a great breakdown of that by Jeremy Stahl on a site called Slate. Slate, I think, tends to lead liberal in its presentation of the news. But I thought it was a great breakdown. Who leaked this and why? He thinks that's the most consequential piece of news for Monday's leak. 
There, however, uh, there is, however, another monumental story that the opinion was leaked to begin with and from one of the most secretive bodies in the country. A draft Supreme Court opinion has never been leaked in full in history, and there hasn't been an advanced leak of an outcome since 1986. Only the justices themselves and their small clique of law clerks, law clerks would likely have access to such a draft. The closest similar example in the last 32 years came when somebody leaked in 2012 that Chief Justice John Roberts had initially voted to strike down all of Obamacare before changing his mind and voting to uphold the individual mandate. Notably, the law professor Jonathan Peters wrote on Twitter details of the original 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade, including the, including the vote itself, were reported in advance by Time magazine. This leak, though, is so shocking because there are many reasons for how and why the court is normally able to maintain secrecy. As former clerk Stephen L. Carter wrote for the Washington Post in 2017, the court has been America's last leak-proof institution. As Carter noted, Supreme Court leaks were so rare because if a clerk was behind one, they would, they would likely be caught and at great professional risk. The staff of the Supreme Court is very small, and the circle of knowledge of pending opinions is even smaller. In particular, a law clerk who talked to a reporter might find a once high-flying legal career ruined. And of course, fewer people in the know means fewer potential leakers. If, the one, if one of the justices themselves leaked, meanwhile, we'd likely never know because there is no governing body to investigate the question aside from the impeachment inquiry, which is unlikely to happen over a leak. You're getting closer to what really happened. Indeed, we still have not learned who the, spe- who the leaker of Robert's Obamacare vote was, and that leak came after the decision. So who leaked the draft? Dobbs question. It's uh, based on a Missouri case, Dobbs versus... Uh, the uh, some health board in, in in Mississippi, I believe, or Alabama. You already answered the question. They leaked it themselves on purpose. Why? Well, I'm get, I'm still working on that one. Well, let's go through this fellow's uh, presumptions. They're pretty interesting. Jeremy Stahl, writing for the Slate. I don't know anything about Slate, but so far I haven't read anything that makes me think I'm reading some highly partisan. Story. Okay, scenario one, a progressive clerk leaked the opinion on their own. All right. Uh, The Occam's razor answer, and the one spreading quickly in conservative media after the leak, is that an angry clerk of one of the progressive justices leaked the opinion to prepare the public for the end of Roe, hoping to potentially galvanize opposition against the decision and to take one last desperate attempt to change one of the five votes to overturn Roe. Again, this was the theory that animated conservative media in the hours after the news, which practically described the leaker as a traitor to the country. Uh, all right. Uh, scenario two, a conservative justice leaked it, possibly through a clerk. This isn't necessarily the likeliest outcome, but of all the options, this would seem to me to be the shrewdest tactically. First, it wouldn't make any sense for a clerk who opposed Roe to leak this without the permission of his or her boss. It would not only put that person's career in jeopardy, it would also put at risk a great, uh, it would put at risk a legal, a legal victory that conservatives have been working towards for decades. All right. 
However, it would make perfect sense for a conservative justice to leak this opinion, either themselves or through a clerk, if for some reason they thought one of the five votes was still on the fence to pressure that fence sitter to stay on the team. All right. Scenario three. A progressive justice leaked the news. Consider this for the reason. Uh, consider the reasons for this to be a combination of scenario one and scenario two. A progressive justice might have leaked this, knowing it was unlikely for them to be caught, as in scenario two. And in order to try to put one last final push of pressure on any potential wavering justice, as in scenario one. Scenario four. Chief Justice John Roberts leaked the news. This seems the least likely of the four scenarios emerging because of how intensely Roberts has sought to portray himself as the protector of the court's legitimacy. Still, it's worth considering shortly after the draft opinion was leaked, CNN also reported the full details of Roberts' private deliberations on the case. Those are the scenarios. I've always, I've always enjoyed the Supreme Court's writings. I've always considered the Supreme Court the the backstop, but there's no denying that it's becoming horribly politicized, mm-hmm. horribly politicized. Uh, so I don't know what to make of this. I do not have the wisdom of Solomon here. I have no idea. Uh, may I ask a question? Mm-hmm. If it is discovered whoever leaked this information, if I, what are the legal consequences? Uh, or are there any? Well, I just read that part. There's no, uh, there's no governing body that would punish a Supreme Court justice. But if, what if it's a clerk? Well, then that clerk is going to lose his career and get fired. And... Are we assuming this is real and it might not be? Is it just one scenario? Evidently, this was uh, written by Sam, uh, Sam Alito. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Roberts authenticates, uh, authenticates yeah. this. This is the, the actual draft. This, this is the actual final draft. Yes, John no, Roberts not, did. Not, yeah, not the final joke. It's not the final. Robert, it's but Robert's this but this version said, is authentic. Yes, but he said it's not the final. No, this vote could still uh, preserve Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. They don't know. So that's the question: Was it leaked to preserve Roe versus Wade, or was it leaked to undo Roe versus Wade? It, it, it was leaked to cause mayhem and controversy and fighting and arguing. And it's successful. And it's working. It's yeah. working. Including a lot of grandstanding by a number of politicians, both sides, right? Oh, God, yes. But it's just, it's it help me understand this. To me, it's disheartening that the Supreme Court, It's to me, it's the equivalent of the Supreme Court justices going to the Met Gala. Uh, another, what am I trying to say? It's, it's, it's taking the Supreme Court as an institution out of its hallowed status and and allowing itself to be thrown to the the mud of daily politics that's what i'm trying to say don't you think that's been happening though for no boy i sure do the last 10 years at least that it's become a political uh, not tool but a political body and it's it's treated you- that way by the senators who I Joe, tend to agree uh, with John. John, do you think yeah. they see themselves as that, though? No, I think they are trying to see themselves as the opposite. Yeah. yeah. But I guess, maybe I'm naive, but I still revere the Supreme Court. It's our last best hope to keep things 
uh, in line. Isn't that why this is so disappointing? Because it's just another layer. I just said it. This yeah. is a this is a, a revered institution that is losing its reveredness. I think that's a word. <laughs> reveredness. <laughs> so. But on top of that, politics. Into, but uh, so Alito's conservative. Yeah. So then, obviously, we have to just assume that this comes from um, a page or a clerk or whatever the hell they're called um, that works for a so-called liberal judge. That would be scenario one. But this is scenario one. Three. This is an outrageous, outrageous bre- breach of security. I mean, this goes above and beyond anything. The, the, there needs to be consequences for that if, in fact, this truly is legit. And the reason they work with such secrecy and the reason there never is a leak is because they need the, they need the freedom in their, in their club there to hash out these things, to yeah. talk about these things. Talk freely. Talk freely about these things. And here, here that that had a whole shot in it. Scenario one, a progressive clerk leaked the opinion on their own. Progressive, right. Because we all assume, or at least maybe I do, that this was the last bastion, last place on earth where opposing viewpoints can come together and have a reasonable discussion based on law and rule and legalities. That's what I've been saying. It's so disheartening to me to see this storied body Right. Uh, take on the dynamics of, you know, a local city council fight about a flag in some park. No, the flag on top of a construction vehicle. Right. That's uh, now. Let's not go down that road yet. So I'm um, trying to think too, and I haven't been able to put it together. Uh, the the Democrats are hysterically concerned about really losing big in the midterms. And is there some way this would uh, bolster their chances in the midterms? In other words, if the court strikes down Roe versus or Wade versus Roe, Roe Roe versus Wade, would that result in the election of Democrats? I don't know. It's just going to result in more arguing and yelling and fighting and shouting and ridiculous accusations from both sides. I I wondered about that too, so I went and looked up polls, and every poll has between 60 and 70% of Americans in favor of a woman having the right to an abortion. So does it help the left then in an election if if they strike it down? I don't have 60% of the voters angry at, at the conservatives. Yeah, and I don't, but will they get out and vote? I guess that would be the, you know. Well, maybe whoever leaked this had that as the plan, that this would motivate yeah. voters in the event of an upending and thwart the, uh, the conservative movement to, un, uh, to undo it. It would just merely, what it would do is return this uh, situation to the states, right? Each right. state could decide if, if abortion is going to be legal or not. Mm-hmm. Which puts the question in the hands of elected representatives. You're debating something that's just completely moot. Why? Um, it's over. It's over for this country. <laughs> Here we it go. It is over. 
if this in fact is true, the last bastion of democracy, the Supreme Court, has now been infiltrated by evil and we're leaking documents to foment unrest in the public. It's over. Kenny's Forget right. about it. Mm -hmm. It is over. Well, We've seen it coming for years. This is the last straw. It's over. I don't think you're exaggerating. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't either. We sit here and worry about the Met GD gala while Putin is running all over Ukraine with his pants down, urinating and killing people all over. Mm -hmm. That's our concern here. We're concerned let's, about let's Steve Martin's comedy <laughs> bit in 1978 while people are dying. You mean and, our and, culture has developed these kinds of concerns. And, and yes. people in this country are saying that war is fake. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's over. It's the United States done. Abortion talk. Call me now. And the third rail doesn't care that some Not. trucker is paying $7 a gallon for diesel, nope. which is going to result in food shortages because there will be such a decline in the, in the uh, transportation of freight. Not one bit. They don't care. Nope. As a matter of fact, we're drilling less. We're closing off land drilling. We're forcing truckers in California to update to new new motor engines, semis, to, you know, mm -hmm. because of the stupid climate. And if you think it's expensive to live in California now, give it about two years. But what goes down in California eventually makes its way across the And country. that was done by the California Air Resources Board, who are unelected people. Yep. So we got that going for this us. This is just. This is just. I don't mean to laugh, but. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Hey, we could talk about another uplifting subject like your hockey team. I told you off the air, didn't I? <laughs> that was the only. Don't worry, Kenny. They'll be fine. They're gonna win it. You want me to fine. take a sharp turn to that? When when Roycey off the air before Monday Night Sports Talk started yep. big upping the Wild, I knew that we were doomed. It's it's our rule on the ride with Roycey when the three of us would say, if Roycey predicts this is gonna happen, everyone put your money on the opposite to happen. Yep. <laughs> My uh, kids I used to have uh, developed a really interesting texting thread. Uh, the oldest kid I used to have said there are currently 13 metro areas with all four teams. Only Phoenix, with one title, has fewer titles than us, but they also have about 50 fewer combined years of operations than we do. True. Yeah. And then what else did he point out? Uh, of cities that have professional sports teams... And have won at least one championship in one of those four major sports at some point in their history. Only Cincinnati, Edmonton, Calgary, Portland, Buffalo, and San Diego have gone longer than Minnesota since its last championship. And none of those cities have all four sports, except Minnesota. Huh. And of the cities that have all four sports, using the Metropolitan Statistical uh, he got an impressive degree, didn't he? I don't know what the hell he's doing. He says, I go by the metropolitan statistical area. Uh, the Twin Cities are the 16th largest metropolitan statistical area. Uh, but of the teams that have all four sports, only Denver at 19 metropolitan statistical area is smaller and has all four teams. Huh. 
I think what these uh, smart asses are doing is uh, setting up the loss and preparing us for the wild to lose. Well, my attitude last night was, why are you people panicking? It's game one. It's a seven-game series. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a question of a different <laughs> sort. Um, you're referring to your uh, oldest, uh, the son you used to have. Mm-hmm. Could you think he could take us in and out of breaks and uh, be be the mayor of a of fake town? <laughs> Just wondering. Are you asking for a friend? Can he say? Uh, can he say the mayor's thirsty? Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, could he do that for us for about ten more years? <laughs> You're already looking for the replacement, huh? Yeah. I don't know. It just occurs to me. He's really bright. Oh, I'm getting off the grid, man. I'm going. If, I'm if, done. If he could take us in and out of breaks, we could do all the rest of the heavy lifting. You could probably teach him. <laughs> uh, he I can do. work remotely. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even have to move here. No. <laughs> Keep his real job. I can't think of a better time to follow the work of the Center of the American Experiment. No kidding. Uh, they've been with us for 30 years. They're called a conservative think tank. I prefer to think of them as just a common sense think tank. They issue papers. They stage events. They bring in speakers. They have a great magazine. They have great writers. They do their reporting. They do, the, they do their investigating. They're trying to make Minnesota a better and more sane place to live. They just had a tax rally. I hope it was successful, but I haven't heard from our esteemed governor whether the taxpayers of Minnesota are going to get any breaks on their taxes, even with a $9.3 billion surplus. Uh, but I would anticipate, you can go to the website, AmericanExperiment.org, I would, I would anticipate that, that if, if not today, then soon, they'll, they'll be weighing in on things like who leaked, the, uh, who leaked Samuel Alito's uh, report. And why? Yeah, they, this is the kind of things they, they think about and get into when they're not getting kicked out of the Rochester Golf and Country Club for having such a, such a controversial event as let's talk about law enforcement with the Olmstead County Sheriff and the Rochester Chief of Police. They're great people, great thinkers. Center of the American Experiment, AmericanExperiment.org. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for my good friends at Hofferman Water. They are an independent water treatment dealer. They offer sales, service, and rental for Connecticut water treatment systems, including water softeners, iron, rust, and odor filtration systems, and, of course, drinking water systems. I have been a proud customer of Connecticut for a couple of years now in two different homes, and I'm here to tell you that a new system from Connecticut can do so many things that other water softeners simply cannot. A Connecticut system from Hofferman can cut down on salt usage. It's going to protect your appliances. And I'm not kidding when I say that bad water is going to affect every single aspect of your home. Here's the deal. Your laundry is going to become better. Your showers are so much better. And not to mention the improvement in your drinking water. My Connecticut system that I had installed, it's made an amazing difference in the quality of my water. Please get in touch with my friends at Hofferman Water today. Call 952-894-4040. That's 952-894-4040. Or just visit them online at HoffermanWater.com. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. It's GB. Thank you for coming. 
Let's just, All right. Let's just become a music show. Well, it'd be great. <laughs> You're making up for yesterday, Reavers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Say, uh, GLers, did you save the date? I asked you politely to save the date. Wake the kids. Let's steal a, a line from Letterman here. Wake the kids. Phone the neighbors. Alert the media. The really big annual Moon Motorsports open house and sale coming this weekend, Friday and Saturday, up at Moon Motorsports in Monticello. You can uh, take the bike of your dreams on a demo ride. You get back. You swing into the showroom. You sit down. You finance it. You ride it home. Or put an order down on a BMW or a Ducati. Uh, you're going to score big savings on KTMs. There's deals on apparel and accessories, prizes, fun, games for the kiddos. And now this is the part I like, and I'd be really, really tempted. If I had a street bike, I'd roll on down there. You think you can ride better than, oh, I don't know, say Bob Hanna, Malcolm Smith, Nikki Hayden. You ride your bike to the event. Take part in the Advanced Motorcycle Safety Experience. It's provided by the Minnesota Motorcycle Safety Center. And just see how good you are. Um, you're going to have to check the details for that one at the website, moonmotorsports.com. Uh, but it's going to be a huge fun event coming up this weekend. Great weather, Friday and Saturday. The biggest dealer in the uh, area with more brands than anybody else. It's the annual Moon Motorsports Open House and Tent Sale. They're on the south side of 94, just west of 25 in Monticello. You'll find all the details at moonmotorsports.com. We have a new uh, government position. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, uh, under the rubric of the Department of Homeland Security, we have a disinformation chief. And her name is Nina Jankowitz. And I have began to do a lot of reading about her today. Here's a Breitbart story that says <clears throat> she believes, Nina Jankowitz believes, that online mockery of Vice President Kamala Harris and other women in public life was a threat to national security. Here we go. Uh, Platforms and governments aren't doing enough, she wrote on social media. It's time to act. Our national security and democracy are at stake. She believes Congress should uh, reauthorize use of Violence Against Women Act and... Uh, include a previous online gender-based harassment. Uh, then she goes on to say, uh, uh, Jankowitz said online mockery of women was a threat to democracy, warning that gender disinformation could prevent women from running for office. No, it, but it should prevent stupid women from running for office. <laughs> In September of 2021, Jankowitz testified about gender misinformation being a threat to democracy in the British House of Parliament. Uh, she cited Harris as an example. I think of the little girls who were so happy on Inauguration Day, seeing our first female vice president inaugurated. And for those of them who are online, looking at the responses to tweets of Vice President Harris's uh, or Vice President Harris's Instagram posts, where people call the Biden-Harris administration Joe and Ho, or worse. Well, we don't do that. We just mock her stupidity. Uh she I've thinks a, that gender misinformation is a national security concern. So I began to wonder, well, well who is this lady? Did you, did you happen to go to her Wikipedia page? I have it right here. Thank you. Good. Read, read about her career. It's fantastic. Well, first fantastic. of all, I'm, I'm very puzzled. Uh, it says Nina Jankowitz, born 1988 slash 1989. Yeah, one or the other. Jim. Was she born oh, uh, oh. at midnight, maybe? <gasps> New Year's Eve. Maybe. Or, or she's a they. And has decided, I think I want to be born in two years. Hmm. Yeah, so she's aged 32 to 33. 
She's an American researcher, author, and commentator specializing in disinformation and now the executive director of the United States Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Government Board. Can we just stop? And we may have discussed this last week when this came up. Just the title alone Mm -hmm. gives me pause. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. your job is... Providing us with disinformation? Well, I'm going to get us there. I'm going to get us there. She attended Bryn Mawr College. Oh, God, that's a bad point. Double majoring in Russian and political science. She attended a semester at Herzen State Pedagogical. Some university in Russia. (laughs) And she graduated in 2011. In 2017, she was a Fulbright Fellow in Kiev, working with the Foreign Ministry of Ukraine. She's also served as a disinformation fellow at the Woodrow Wilson Center and as supervisor of the Russia and Belarus programs at the National Democratic Institute. She is the author of two books, How to Lose the Disinformation War and How to Be a Woman Online. And she has contributed to the Washington Hmm. Post and the New York Times uh, on October 15th, 2020. Jankowitz testified before the United States House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence Concerning Online Misinformation. In April of just of just this past month, she was selected to head the newly formed Disinformation Governance Board. So it's uh, the only line missing from that career rundown is like, say, um, uh, and as supervisor of the Russia and Belarus programs at the National Democratic Institute, where she learned to lie with the best of them. <laughs> That's the only line missing. Well, here it is again under her personal details. A born 1988-1989, age 32-33. Yeah. Does she not know what year she was born? I wonder. That alone is some sort of political statement that we're not getting. Well, I guess I don't get that. Maybe we could find out. I, I, would you like to hear from her? Sure. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or it's really a mainstream outlet yes. show. Disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. <laughs> oh, there's more. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. <laughs> that was really her, you say? Yes, it was her. Yeah. Wow. I just like that she was that Mary Poppins. John? She's married to a guy. Yeah, sure. Super Yeah. yeah. She has yeah. an interest in musical theater, which we just noted there, right? Mm-hmm. What are you yeah. get? No, and uh, never. Um, in no, May of never. 2013, never. she married. <laughs> she married Michael Vincent Stein. Okay, then I went on to read some more. Uh, who is this? Is Newsweek? Who is Nina Jankowitz? Uh, she's. Why don't we learn what we've been saying all along? Uh, before her work ad- advising the Ukrainian government, Jankowitz managed democracy assistance programs for Russia and Belarus. Uh, she says she's honored to be serving the Biden White House. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure she's doing it for free, too. She shared her new official photo in a subsequent tweet and, tweet and wrote, A huge focus of our work, and indeed one of the key reasons the board was established, is to maintain the department's commitment to protecting free speech, privacy, civil rights, and disabilities. I'm sorry, civil rights and civil liberties. 
However, there's already been controversy about Jankowicz's new role, as some conservative news outlets have pointed to previous statements she's made regarding a laptop believed to belong to President Biden's son, Hunter Biden. She previously supported the idea that the controversial laptop story that emerged in October of 2020 could be part of a disinformation campaign carried out by Russia. No, dis, no evidence subsequently emerged to support that conclusion. All right. Now I found another piece uh, from the National Review. DHS Secretary Mayorkas, Nina Jankowicz is absolutely politically neutral. All right. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know that. Uh, Republicans are calling it Orwellian and comparing it to the Ministry of Truth uh, from Orwell. Uh, can you clarify exactly what this is? What exactly will this disinformation governance board do? Will it monitor American citizens? This is National Review talking to uh, Mayorkas. Uh, uh, Dana Bash asked him that on CNN. And he says, Dana, I'm very pleased to. It's clear. I mean, those criticisms are precisely the opposite of what this small working group within the Department of Homeland Security will do. And I think we probably could have done a better job of communicating what it does and does not do. The fact is that disinformation that creates a threat to the security of our homeland is our responsibility to address. And this department has been addressing it for years throughout the years of the prior administration on an ongoing basis. Disinformation from Russia, China and Iran. Bash. Right. We know the problems, but it's still not clear to me how this governance board will act. What will it do? And then, of course, it printed with a picture over his answer. Uh, God damn it. Okay. Uh, Bash. Will American citizens be monitored? Mayorkas. No. Bash. Guarantee that? Mayorkas. So what we do, we in the Department of Homeland Security, we don't monitor American citizens. You don't. But will this board change that? Mayorkas, no, no, no. The board does not have any operational authority or capability. What it will do is gather together best practices in addressing the threat of disinformation from foreign state adversaries from the cartels and disseminate those best practices to the operators that have been executing in and addressing this threat for years. Uh, Mayorkas repeatedly refuses to to, to specify the operators and what the Disinformation Governance Board will want the operators to do. Presumably, the operators means the social media companies who run the networks where people are posting disinformation. The Disinformation Governance Board will contact Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram and say that a particular post or video is disinformation and that those companies will be expected to take it down, suspend, or terminate the accounts uh, posting that disinformation. So apparently we now have a woman named Nina Jankowitz who will be shown a Twitter, uh, a tweet, and we'll have to decide if that's disinformation or not. I can't stop watching this video. I know. But <laughs> not from everyday citizens? As for my orca's assurance question? that the Department of Homeland Security does not and uh, does not and will monitor America. Does not and will not monitor American citizens. How exactly will DHS know the disinformation is reaching and harming Americans without monitoring what Americans are seeing, reading, and hearing? Hmm. Republicans are criticizing your decision. This is Bash again. The administration's decision to choose Nina Jankowitz to lead this disinformation board. They say she's not somebody who is neutral. Your response. Mayorkas, eminently qualified, a renowned expert in the field of disinformation. And, and Bash, and neutral? Mayorkas, absolutely. Uh, 
Bash, would you be okay if Donald Trump were president, if he created this disinformation governance board, or if in its place, and he wins again in 2024, that he's in charge of such a thing? Mayorkas, who did, clearly did not know how to answer that, said, I believe that this working group that gathers together, gathers together best practices, make sure that our work is coordinated, consistent with those best practices, that we're safeguarding the right of free speech, that we're safeguarding civil liberties. I think this is an extraordinarily important endeavor. Well, it was a Kamala-like answer. It didn't mean anything. Uh, That's a great point, though. If this would have happened under the Trump administration. Well, I think there would have been a hue and cry. Of course there would have been. That's everything that goes on right now. I I mean, this isn't the only thing you can... Uh, Who wrote this for the National Review points out, uh, most importantly, Jankowitz is herself a purveyor of disinformation. She pushed the now infamous Steele dossier, which bona fide disinformation experts called out as fake. Not long after it appeared, while repeatedly presenting Hunter Biden's controversial laptop as a Kremlin disinformation scheme rather than a legitimate news story. Uh, The Disinformation Governance Board clearly should not exist, particularly not inside the Department of uh, Human or the Department of Homeland Security. Congress must, without delay, remedy this threat to civil liberties raised by the Biden administration. Alas, with Nancy Pelosi running the House and Chuck Schumer running the Senate, it is unlikely to happen. But if and when Republicans take control of Congress in November, they can wipe out the funding for the Disinformation Governance Board, as well as grill Jankowitz in oversight hearing about what her board is doing. However, this may be the one time in the history of oversight hearings that the majority party does not want to make the witness sing. Here's what I would say. I can make her sing quick if you want. I, I no. no. Here's no, what I would say. No. Here's what I would say. <laughs> I think whoever got appointed to that position by Biden would be held in suspicion. Of course. Well, the, so the, in the fairness whole, to her, yeah. I th- I don't know anything about her. She doesn't even know what year she was born in. Well, I, I have info on that, by the way. Good. Uh, she was born, according to a bunch of other websites, March 10th, 1989. Yeah. So it's some sort of Wikipedia affectation. Whoever does her Wikipedia page oh. apparently is, right. is confused. Mm-hmm. But who who would any reasonable what who would any reasonable American citizen accept in that position? We Americans don't even like the sound of that position. Well, the, no, we don't the, want the that name position. of it is. Yeah, yeah is we don't want absurd. that position to exist, right? Exactly, because exactly. we fear it's going to be used against us, right? Unless right. it's Chuck Norris, then I'm taking his and, word. And for none it. of us have ever heard of her before. None of us know anything about her. She sounds terribly well educated, uh, versed in. Uh, no, Russia, like I said, Ukraine, and she can lie with the best of them. Um, <laughs> yes. Really quick, yeah. you mentioned Vice President Kamala Harris. Yeah. I got this uh, from Andrew. Yeah, It's a picture of her. It's not audio, and yeah. it has the following quotation from the Vice President. Quote, yeah. I have COVID. Yep. COVID is from germs. Germs are bad. Right. They are small. Yes, they are. I learned that they are small on a program called the Magic School Bus. Yep. End quote. That's a real quote. That's that's very no, believable. No, no, that's, no, no, that's real. real. <laughs> that's a real quote. It made me laugh, though. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here debating on whether or not what are we supposed to do as just everyday Americans? Do we just shut down all social? Stop reading the paper? Um, stop paying attention and just go about our happy lives? We wouldn't have much of a show. Well, but, but no, no, I don't mean the four of us. Here. I mean the collective... <laughs> the country. Kenny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? Seriously? 
I think a lot of the country has done that. But then they're allowing this crap to continue. Yes. And to rule us. Like I was giving grief to Joe um, about social a couple of weeks ago, and he's saying, well, I'm barely on Twitter. But Twitter is affecting your life, whether you're on it or not. So should we allow that to continue? Or do we fight pushback every single day of our lives, which I've been is doing just a, exhausting? I've been doing what I've concluded would be the best thing for me to do on Twitter, and that is offer something from each day's show. I've but been doing it now for five days. I'm going for the bigger point here, Such. You are still completely absorbed with the news. Yeah. Even on weekends. Right. All the time. Yep. If you retired, yep, that wouldn't change. Probably not. That's no way to live. I know. But I feel hurt and wounded. But if we didn't have Twitter, we would never have found this. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from you. Where was this crackpot born, John? Uh, boy, I just got off her page. Let me check. She does have a nice voice, by the way. Oh, she, she loves she sounds theater. very uh, yeah. Julie Andrew-esque there. Mm-hmm. Right? She loves the theater mm-hmm. and music. I can't, I can't find it, Joe, because my Google is not working on my computer for some yeah, reason. Yeah, well, it controls your life, John. Google completely controls your life. It's working on my phone. I suppose I could look on my phone. I probably have it here somewhere. I think I got it on my phone here, maybe. Doesn't tell us where she was born. She's an American. American. uh, But we don't know where she was born. Nothing about where she was born, you're correct. Hmm. But, you know, again, whoever Biden would have put, I would have felt the same way if Trump created one of these boards. If it had that name, we all would have had right. a Right, and, and whoever got appointed, whether Republican or Democrat, nobody nobody with a thinking brain would be, be approving of it. Okay. According to the Ancestry, mm-hmm. she was born March 10th, 1989, as John just mentioned, in Washington, D.C. Oh, so boy. what should oh. it be called? There shouldn't be one, period. What should <laughs> it be called? There's going to be one. We don't have any choice. That we're, the the, uh, the happy flower campaign. That we're coming after you, board. <laughs> if 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 her role is to divine that information which she deems to be disinformation and thus would find it uh inappropriate for the american social media consumer then, yes, she must know what the American social media consumer, what platform that American is using. Right? So that doesn't that put her in the realm of wondering what we're all up to? Mm-hmm. And she can't be. There's no. There's, there's 350 million of us. She can't be. I'm not going to consider her a threat. What I consider this is is another. I don't know what the hell this is. I don't know what's going on anymore. You're saying, when's this ride going to stop? I want off. Oh, this is nuts. <laughs> Throw yourself off the ride. Jump out of the car at 90 miles an hour. That's what I'm going to do. Well, we've got members of the staff who've already tried that. And it didn't work. 
Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know, remember that. They're still here. Yeah. <laughs> Playing funny songs. Well, if I haven't given you enough reasons today to get up to Giants Ridge. I don't think Ridge. he's listening. Look look at him. I know, he's not. He's not listening. What? You're talking what to me? He says what? <laughs> yeah, he, you're talking to me? Oh, I was listening to something else. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If I haven't, uh, if I haven't given you enough reasons uh, what? to head up to Giants Ridge, I don't know what more I can do because that's peace and quiet in nature, forest, lakes, hiking, biking. Two of the greatest golf courses in the world, not to mention Minnesota, the quarry and the legend. They got they got something called a fin cycle. You can tear around up there in the woods on a on a single rider electric golf cycle. Sounds really really cool. Brings a new element to your game. They have a 37 hole special this summer, June 4 to August 29. Play the legend and the quarry on the same day with for one incredible rate with lunch at them on them at the Wakuda Grill, one of the finest most peaceful overlooks in all of northern Minnesota. You can view 3D course flyovers of the legend and the quarry at GiantsRidge.com. You can consider it a family vacation destination with great lodging, great restaurants, great amenities, water recreation, biking, hiking, the newest and largest lift-serve mountain bike park in the Midwest. It's fantastic. You can book tea times online at GiantsRidge.com or by calling 218-865-865. 8030. It's going to warm up. It'll happen. GiantsRidge.com. It's Reavers here for Josh Arnold. Mr. Money Talk is what he's called around these parts. Josh has been an investment consultant since 1978. This extensive career has given him the experience needed to manage your money in both up and down markets. Josh provides independent, personalized investment planning to individuals and small businesses, including retirement plans. Josh has been doing this for quite some time, and the thing that separates him from the rest is he will always give you straight talk and never sugarcoated advice. When you invest for yourself or for your small business with Josh, you get the same straight talk that you would expect from Mr. Money Talk. You also get an investment consultant who will work proactively with you to create a strategy that fits your goals. You can also hear him at the end of Garage Logic every Tuesday and Thursday with a full report. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. Or for more information, just visit his website, josharnoldinvestmentconsultant.com. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. More live GV Layden? Mm-hmm. At the Minnesota Music Cafe, bruh. Can you buy his stuff online? Oh, yeah. Sure. You just Google him. He's got a website. Mm-hmm. Do that whole deal. Or if you just do iTunes. He's on iTunes. Perfect. GLers, uh, yeah, beautiful lawn, click away, you know the drill. Uh, you can schedule a free in-person lawn care analysis and an estimate right now um, at professionalturf.com. Uh, we've been talking about this for a long time, and uh, their their ad schedule is going to end here pretty soon because we're going to finally be into summer. And the smart GLers did this back in April, and they've already had their first treatment, and they won't see a dandelion, uh, not now, not ever. Uh, what happens is a, uh, a experienced service tech, these guys know yards, they're going to come out, check it out, set you up with a, a fertilizer and weed control application plan. It's three to five visits this summer, depending on how bad your track is. 
Uh, it's perfectly safe. It's guaranteed for superior results. You will have the best lawn on the block. Uh, and like I said, no dandelions, no broadleaf, no crab grass, nothing. ProTurf, they've been doing this for eight since 82. They know a thing or two about your yards. Get this done before the end of May. You, you really want to do this if you want a nice lawn. Again, just log on to professionalturf.com. What do you have now? I don't. Well, I've got depression is what I have, Joe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I shouldn't have come in today. I should have just stayed in bed. And it, it's all related to this thing I ripped out of the paper over the weekend. Ocean animals. Here, look at the monitor. Yep. Ocean animals face mass extinction. Right, right. Just the first paragraph alone. Not since an asteroid wiped out the dinosaurs along with half of all the other beings on Earth has life in the ocean been so at risk. Uh, we don't know that. Warming waters are cooking creatures in their own habitats. Mm -hmm. Many species are slowly suffering or suffocating as oxygen leeches, leeches out the seas. Even populations that have managed to withstand the ravages of overfishing Pollution and habitat loss are struggling to survive amid accelerating climate change. This climate change thing is real, Joe, and it's really got me down. Mm -hmm. I can barely function as a human being anymore. I don't know what to do. You're not going to help, are you? Joe? You're not going to help? Do you have anxiety? Reavers isn't going to help? Of course I have anxiety. Who Why would you that? bring that up? I have PTSD. Who wrote that? Um, Sarah Kaplan, From? Washington Post. Washington Post. I think I can calm your anxiety, Kenny. Oh, what do you got for me? Medicine? A new book. Okay. A book. A new book called Generation Dread. Generation Dread. <laughs> the emotional journey that comes with facing up to the environmental crisis can be very intense, disturbing, and extremely painful. She knows. You'll know this if you have ever cried upon reading that a species you love is going extinct. I just did! Or anticipated that you'll soon lose a coastline you call home mm -hmm. to the sea. That's all I ever think about! Nah, or witness livelihoods shrivel as year-on-year -year drought choked the land. Choked the land. It is stressful to live in fear of dangerous climate tipping points yeah. that, once surpassed, will unleash cascades of self-reinforcing environmental change. Okay, I can't take it. From ice sheet disintegration. I can't take it. We made it 43 I seconds. I can't take it. I thought I could do it with a straight face. Is that Look, the author of that BS? Uh, I don't know if it is the author, but it is the, uh, what do you call it? The um, talking uh, voice? No, there's, the, isn't there a term for a preview of a book online? I don't know. Okay. Here's John um, Height. Maybe he just, knows. Wait a second. This came up as an ad for a brand new book on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Those Twitter ads. Um, and the book is real. It's called Generation Dread. Um, climate anxiety. It's very real. No more responses to global warming and the changing world we're living in. But how do we cope? Generation Dread brilliantly explains how we can learn from the past, from our own emotions, and from each other to survive and even thrive well, what you'd learn from the past is you have nothing to dread <laughs> <laughs> i think what we've learned such and i've said this repeatedly is we're on the wrong side of this argument yeah, we're if not we making wanna, any money from if it. we want to make enough money to retire <laughs> yeah. we got to get get ourselves on the other side of this johnny high takeover from the news all right 
Thank you, Joe. This uh, update is brought to you by ProfessionalTurf.com. Some 667,000 Minnesota workers who are on the front lines of the pandemic can expect to claim their $750 bonus checks in 10 to 12 weeks, according to state officials. Cabinet commissioners yesterday laid out some details as Governor Tim Walz held a ceremonial signing ceremony for a $2.7 billion bill that was passed last Friday that grants hero pay bonuses and rolls back a tax increase that had been needed to replenish the state's unemployment insurance trust fund. More than 22,000 individuals have already signed up for the state's frontline worker pay website to get updates on the process, she added. Among those eligible will be health care workers, grocery store workers, and many others. Uh, anyway, basically, uh, people who couldn't take any time off when the pandemic hit can apply for this money. Well, we didn't take any time off. Well, I, I, I did it at home, though. But like uh, Chris and Joe, hell, you yeah. guys should be able to. You worked from home. I worked from home the year of 2020, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. I'm still working from not yeah. there. Exactly. That was, a, that was a fun time, wasn't it? I came back here in June of 2021. No, you were back sooner than that, weren't you? I don't think so, because remember last spring I was sick. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I don't think it has a, a date. A deadline, right? So I'm if you being facetious, a... I don't intend to apply for any oh, money. Okay. Remember, uh, remember those good old days when one of us would be talking, or John would be doing his news, and all of a sudden Such would drift out of the frame, and then yeah. you'd hear <laughs> as he's pounding on the glass to scare a squirrel yeah. away from the bird. Quit eating my bird food. <laughs> I miss those days. Yeah. Or when the CP would sneak up behind him and wave to us, and yeah, we'd yeah. be giggling, and he that didn't know fun. why. You know, yeah. full disclosure, um, back then, before we had cameras, um, Joe would be going on, and I'd be eating my lunch. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, that's yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> Police say a woman who was rescued from a burning vehicle is one of two people recovering from injuries in an overnight Minneapolis crash. According to police, officers were called to the area of 29th Avenue Southeast and University Avenue Southeast about 2.15 this morning for a reported hit-and-run crash. When they got there, they found a passenger vehicle on fire, heavily damaged in the front. In addition, they say a woman was unconscious in the burning vehicle and a man who was conscious was in the street. Police say bystanders helped officers pull the woman out of the burning vehicle. Both the man and woman were given aid at the scene. Both taken to an area hospital are listed as being in stable condition as of this morning. According to a police spokesman, no officers were injured in the incident. Officials are still investigating the crash, which they say happened after two vehicles were traveling at a high rate of speed on University toward St. Paul. One of the vehicles left the road, hit a pole, causing the driver to be ejected and the vehicle to catch fire. Meanwhile, police say the driver of the other car stopped, momentarily got out, and then returned to the vehicle and left the area. No one's been arrested, and a description of the other driver wasn't immediately provided. Did somebody die? I didn't catch that part. Nope. They're uh, both in uh, How did the driver that was ejected after hitting a pole, he was fine? Well, not fine. They're both in the hospital. Oh. The woman and he are in, as, in stable condition as of 9 this morning. Okay. So, in the hospital. Wow. It uh, turns out that shooting, I think we talked about this when it happened, where a forensic scientist for the police department was wounded. That was all part of a custody battle 
Originally, it was thought perhaps it had something to do with her police work, but that is not the case. Nope. 41-year-old Timothy Allen Amaker and his girlfriend, 24-year-old Colleen Purificacion Larson, are both charged with attempted first-degree premeditated murder for the shooting of Nicole Lenway outside FamilyWise, a supervised parenting facility on University and Malcolm Avenue Southeast. Amaker also faces a charge of aiding an accomplice after the fact. First responders found Lenway, a forensic scientist for the police department, bleeding from gunshots to the arm and neck outside the child care center's parking lot just after 7.30 in the evening. It looks like she will survive, although a bullet did perforate her lung and there was another through-and-through bullet wound to her arm. When police visited her in the hospital, Lenway could not speak but communicated with officers by writing. In February, the court had restricted Amaker's custody to supervised visits only, to which Amaker had to pay supervision fee. At that point, he propositioned one of his friends to kill Lenway in exchange for $50,000. Investigators corroborated that the conversation occurred through interviews with multiple witnesses. Looking into Lenway and Amaker's history, police discovered records of domestic violence and extreme harassment and stalking behavior by Amaker from 2019 to 2022. Amaker made 10 reports that Lenway had abused the son, but police found them all to be unfounded. In fact, in one of those, their son told a social worker Amaker had instructed him to lie about being abused. Amaker and Larson are both in custody. Prosecutors have asked that both be held in lieu of $1 million bail, citing the sophistication of the crime and Amaker's affinity for firearms. John, what was the uh, the intersection of that daycare facility? Uh, that was uh, University and, let's see, University and Mel- Malcolm Avenues, southeast. Huh. And uh, what time of day was that shooting? That was 7.30 in the evening. That's pretty near here. That's Wait across the street. Mel- Malcolm is across the street. Yeah. Yep. I see that daycare facility every time I walk out to my car. Hmm. Yeah. Apparently, the female involved in the shooting walked up behind the person that got shot and shot her at close range. Hmm. That's uh, What the hell? Happened. Yeah. Star Tribune reporting wet fields are causing a delay for Minnesota farmers to get out into their fields. I really wish Patrick was here for this. I know he yeah. loves these uh, the stories about farmers. Most Minnesota acreages from southern corn planters to northwestern wheat fields are vacant for the moment as producers wait for spring temps, sunshine, and dry winds to kickstart the crops. The last uh, latest weekly report from USDA showed startling lags in the state's planting statistics. Less than 1% of corn and soybeans are planted. Only a full 1% of barley, potatoes, and beets are planted. Where are last they year, planted? It's kind of, Southern re- Minnesota, I bet. Really? I think it's so. dry down there? I think so. I, I mean, enough, but less than ideal still, but yeah. Well, and, and one, less than 1%. I mean, that's... That's nothing. It's everywhere around here. Everybody's got everything hooked up, and it's just in the yard waiting to go out. So everybody's re- ready, but nobody's out yet. It's been a cold and rainy spring across Minnesota, and record rain and snow fell in Grand Forks and Fargo. St. Cloud averaged below 40 degrees throughout May, uh, throughout April. Excuse me. Rain-choked creeks are swelling along farms outside Winona, so all those areas having problems. On Monday, Harrison Weber, executive director of the Red River, Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers Association, uh, looked at the temperature gauge and saw it was 39 degrees and said, we can't plant. We've nope. just had very few days of sunlight. You know, about 15 inches of snow right now in Kansas. Jeez. You know what that means, Joe? Corn ain't going to be knee high by the 4th of July. Oh, it'll be all right. You know, corn is uh, corn is way up right now. So if you had some in storage over the winter, you are a happy camper. Uh, Unless sell, you need sell, it, though, sell. right? Unless you huh? need it? 
No, you sell it, make money. But but I'm saying, but unless you need it, though, right? I don't think you put the corn you harvested last fall into the ground this year. I don't know that it works like that. Well, I guess I meant would for you, food, for feed. I mean, it's, it's would you sell it I'm for sorry, feed? that's yeah, 15 that inches of snow in Nebraska, not Kansas. Nebraska. It's cow corn, mm-hmm. Chris. You're, you're not eating cow corn. Okay. The... Uh, Supreme Court, as we talked about earlier, has voted to strike down, apparently, we don't know this for sure yet, the landmark Roe v. Wade decision, according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito. The draft opinion is a repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights, and a subsequent 1992 decision that largely maintained the right. A person familiar with the court's deliberations said that four of the other Republican appointed justices, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, had voted with Alito in the conference held among the justices after hearing oral uh, oral arguments in December. That lineup remains unchanged as of this week, according to the sources. The Kavanaugh and Gorsuch votes would come despite their saying during their hearings they considered Roe versus Wade settled law. The three Democratic-appointed justices, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Eleni Kagan, are working on one or more dissents, according to that person. We still don't know how Chief Justice John Roberts would ultimately vote. And as of this morning, uh, he did send out a statement saying the leaked draft opinion that proposes overturning Roe v. Wade is authentic. But he says, the Chief Justice, that it's not final. And he says he's opening an investigation into how this all became public. His statement said the draft provided to political was genuine. It does not represent a decision by the court or the final position of any member on the issues in the case. Uh, Back to corn, Chris. You know what they're doing with it. They're hauling that corn to the ethanol plant and turning it into gasoline so Ah. Such can put it in that British crap can he's got sitting in his garage. (laughs) No, I won't. I filled up with the E15. You did? Yep. I have two. Yeah. Yeah, gave her a big gulp of seafoam before I took off. But yeah, I, I did some E15 about oh. a week ago. Okay, well, there you go. It was a lot cheaper oh. too. A retired New York police officer. Oh, and uh, before I read this story, uh, to the fellow that keeps sending me notes saying, "Why do you do January 6 stories?" Because they're news. That's why I do them. So mm-hmm. just shut up. Mm-hmm. A retired New York police officer no was good. convicted. Noted was convicted. <laughs> you win, Caddy. By the way, you win. Ah, uh, yeah, but, that was a good one. Yeah. That went up next to the uh, bulletin board. That, oh, the uh, the one that sent the yeah. critique that Kenny received via email. He, it, he won. It goes next to the one that uh, it's two paragraphs of it was pithy uh, of a guy uh, begging management to fire me, right. which is still the best hate mail I've ever received. Yeah. But yeah. that one from last week uh, that was pretty that, good. That was a good one. Yeah. That was, and uh, I did in fact respond to him. Noted. No, Noted. you didn't. Did you really? Yes, he did. Yes. Yes. Noted. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. A retired New York police officer was convicted yesterday in a federal trial of assaulting a police officer in the Capitol attack January 6th. 56-year-old Thomas Webster of Goshen, New York, is a Marine veteran and retired 20-year-old New York Police Department officer who once served on then-Mayor Mike Bloomberg's security detail. Webster was the second former police officer to face trial in the attack. He had been charged with assaulting D.C. police officer Noah Rathbun. Webster was recorded pushing a bicycle rack into officers while fighting outside the Capitol and then swinging a Marine Corps flagpole he was carrying at Rathbun and tackling the officer to the ground and tearing off his gas mask. A jury convicted Webster of all six charges against him, including assaulting an officer. That assault charge, by the way, 
could carry a maximum sentence of 20 years, although it's thought a lesser time in prison will be called for. He'll be sentenced on September 2nd. Ron Galella, a freelance photographer who relentlessly pursued Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis until a judge barred him from taking her picture, who also pestered Marlon Brando until Brando broke his jaw, and who, for better or worse, helped to find today's boundary-challenged culture of celebrity, died Saturday at his home in Montville, New Jersey. He was 91. He died of congestive heart failure. Galella was called a creep, a stalker, and lots worse when he began shooting pictures of celebrities in the 1960s. All of this was before, of course, mass circulation magazines like People and Us. For photographing superstars in the late 60s without permission, a judge called Galella the most flagrant of two-bit chiselers and fixers. Uh, Jacqueline Onassis waged a running court battle with him through the 70s and early 80s, testifying in one court hearing that he had made her life intolerable, almost unlivable, with his constant surveillance. He said he had earned the right to do that. In 1972, a judge ordered him to keep 25 feet away from Mrs. Onassis and 30 feet away from her children. A decade later, facing jail time for violating that order, Galella agreed never to take another picture of the Onassis family, and he never did. They took plenty of other photos, though, of stars and publications like Time, Life, People, and the National Enquirer were steady customers of his work. Was he the guy that snapped the photo of her stark naked? I'm um, unaware there is one. Uh, Larry, Flint, Larry Flint was the only one that published yeah. that photo. Uh, it's a very I don't famous know if that photo. was Galella or not. Yeah, I'm not mm. sure. A, a, a picture of Jackie Kennedy without any clothes on? She was like poolside or something. Oh, it was a, it, yeah, it was a boat, wasn't it? I private it was boat. pool or private something. Yeah. She had a, a towel in I'll her I'll find hand, out, Kenny. And she was uh, top to bottom without clothes. And, and it, was just, it was just depressing is what it was, just because this is Jackie O. I mean, come yeah. on. Let's give her some respect. What yeah. on some underpants? Oh, no, <laughs> it, it's... It, huh. It, you see it, right? Uh-huh. Well, Galelli, he, don't, he didn't, don't, he didn't Joe, have a real good reputation. No. Joe, don't look at it, Joe. Don't look at it. Don't. It, it's, it's I'm not just, going to. It's disrespectful. Yeah. I agree. I, mean, I agree. Yeah, it's just it, not right. As I recall, a lot of people were happy when Marlon Brando broke his jaw. <laughs> Didn't he invent what era. we now call oh. the paparazzi? Yes, he yeah. was the, the first of the paparazzi. Yeah. Yeah. A metal barrel containing the remains of a person killed in the 1980s was found on Sunday on the shore of Nevada's Lake Mead, a discovery that the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department said is made possible because they have an ongoing drought. Lieutenant Ray Spencer said it's really odd in the sense that uh, had the lake never receded, we would never have discovered this body. Have you guys ever made the drive across that? No. It uh, no. gives you the elevator stomach. If you go to that original tweet that John is talking about and read the replies, oh. it, it's really depressing, the state of education in this country. The discovery of this body? Climate people, change? People don't know where Lake Mead is. Oh. They don't understand. It's really? just, yeah, it's just, oh, God, we are just it's a It's over, nation. man. It's over. We're, we're a nation of complete <laughs> idiots. I told you. Yeah. Lieutenant Spencer said the police <laughs> are trying to learn the victim's identity. He declined to share details about the victim. He said it's clear, though, the person died as a result of a homicide, but he would not share how that was determined. 
Based on the items recovered inside the barrel, they think it happened in the 1980s, according to Lieutenant Spencer. Uh, he also said the drop in the lake's water level could result in other bodies being found in the lake. Rangers with the National Park Service find one or two bodies at Lake Mead every year, so it's not uncommon to work a homicide there, he said. So it's about a, it's a, a lot of people with some gambling uh, debt? Yeah, well, and yeah, since... since Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Since the victim was killed in the 80s uh, in an area near Las Vegas where mob-connected casinos dominated the strip, investigators will definitely not rule out the killing may have been mafia-related, according to Lieutenant Spencer. I did learn something, speaking of a nation of idiots. Uh, I learned something that I didn't know before, the term 86. Do you know what that means, yep. Joe? Uh, you're killed. It means eight miles out. Six feet deep. Huh. A term oh. that originated with the Vegas Mafia. Okay, I guess I did not huh. know what that. I, yeah. I, I meant the restaurant term. Something's been 86. That means we're out right. of it. Right. Yeah. Are you kicked out or you've been yeah. 86 for life or whatever? Yeah, it means that that bastard was 86, eight miles out, six feet I deep. I did not know that. Huh. Interesting. In fact, the most, uh, when you make that drive, gentlemen, when you drive across the uh, the dam, it's one power station to the next. It's I have driven late. across that dam now that you mentioned. But it. what's the, the the freakiest part for me personally is you look straight up and there's the freeway that runs over the top a hundred feet above this, mm. and it's an observation deck Ooh. for people to stand there and take selfies. And yeah. I, I I get I, the elevator. I, I, I have uh, Chris. I've arrived at bridges and I've had to stop and turn around. Then there's just no way in hell I'm going across that yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that I've point I've never too. been to the Golden Gate, and I will not go across that bridge. Nope. No way in. I've gone across that bridge, but now nope. that I think about it, my only fear was an earthquake. But it survived a lot of quakes since it was built. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kenny, we had a uh, metal, all-metal bridge, including the, the things you drove on. Metal grates between the uh, Bismarck and Mandan on the Missouri. Would you have hated that? It was oh. it was a probably a five six block bridge and there used across. to be a one lane tiny little metal bridge that crossed the Mississippi somewhere. I'm going to say five miles maybe south of 494. So South St. Paul over to Cottage yeah, Grove. Yeah, yeah, that's no longer functioning. That was frightening, yeah. and I was in a Honda Accord. And, oh, that was a mistake. The, I, I still have nightmares about that. The Coronado Bridge, you've made that drive. I've made that drive oh, many times. No, no, thank you. <laughs> the Where one you that can I, see the water as your car is If you were taking tilted. the bridge coming out of Tampa St. Pete to no, go south? I've been on that one. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. The one I've been on, and I had to, the only reason I crossed it is I had to go buy a snowmobile at the other end of the bridge was uh, Mackinac. That big one that connects the UP to the regular. There are uh, some truck drivers that have to stop and and hire someone to take them. Across. I don't blame them. Yeah. I'm not mocking them. Yeah. Nope, I don't blame I'll them. I'll be in that. back sleeping. Just wake me up when we get to the <laughs> other side. <laughs> back nervous. Yeah. I wonder if there's a bridge talk podcast. We could probably make I one of those. There spin off. I bet you, you there is. You like a nice. Bridge. I like a good bridge documentary. Mm -hmm. A severe coronavirus infection could leave patients with the brain of a 70 year old. Lowering their IQ by 10 points. What if you're 75 and you get it? Right. It would be an improvement. Yeah. Well, I saw this story. I, I was worried you might be offended. I didn't want to offend you. but you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Pretty offense-proof at this point. Hey! Researchers from the University of Cambridge and Imperial College in London found that COVID patients are dealing with levels of cognitive impairment which are similar to the decline of a healthy person now, what they see between the ages of 50 and 70. Disturbingly, the team warns that this damage may never fully heal, even though they're at a younger age. 
Long-term cognitive and mental health problems have been a growing issue during the pandemic. Even after the infection passes, a large number of patients continue to experience what they call brain fog. Problems we're calling words, sleep issues, PSTD, and dozens of other symptoms for months, a condition doctors call long COVID. Recent study found that up to 6 in 10 recovering patients could develop long COVID. Even a mild case of the virus can lead to lingering cognitive issues. Maybe that's your problem, Kenny. Ah, uh, what? I wasn't paying attention. Well, you must have long COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Former uh, President George W. Bush will appear at a fundraiser for Georgia Governor Brian Kemp in Texas this month, wading into one of the year's highest level primaries to help a Republican targeted for extinction by Donald Trump. The fundraiser at the home of real estate developer Harlan Crow lists Bush as a special guest, according to a copy of the invitation. Bush's intervention in the Georgia primary underscores long-standing tensions between Trump and the Bush family and the traditionalist wing of the Republican Party that Bush represents. Today is, of course, uh, it, it is uh, primary day in a couple of big states, hmm. oh, Ohio and Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, the two, two main ones where uh, it's, uh, we're expected to find out uh, if uh, former President uh, Trump does have uh, coattails. Coattails, yeah. You have coattails? Couldn't think of the word to say. Thank you. Did you see um, W made a book? He made a thing. I don't. I didn't. Yeah. Is it yeah. is it artwork? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks uh, pretty cool. Actually, out of many, one. Hmm. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. And he's not bad with the brush. Hmm. Not bad at yep. all. Not at all. Yep. Well, it's because he's been constantly clearing brush. He likes to clear brush, <laughs> as we've learned over the years. Thank you, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> there is, in Isn't fact, it? a bridge podcast that I was looking up. Um, I'm sure there is, but I unfortunately, is there really? Uh, yeah, I bet it's actually. I bet it's pretty interesting. I bet it's not. What to hear about different bridges? Well, you hear it once, and then what do you do? There's you a know, lot of I bridges was, out there. I was one uh, one of many, many, many uh, citizens of the Twin Cities that sat in traffic on that 35W bridge and felt it shake. Really? And the construction workers were so unnerved there that when it was time for a break, they would walk off the bridge and not take their brid, uh, breaks on the bridge. Wow. Yeah, that thing was a piece of crap. Well, plus they just overloaded it with too much weight. Yeah. Well, Still to this I'm, day, how that school bus stayed upright. Oh, man. Yeah. Honest. To, I mean. I have a sister who drove over it uh, 10 minutes before it went down. I was on the Franklin Bridge when it went down. Hmm. I heard it. Wow. Well, because you were coming here, right? I was going home. Oh, you were going home. Okay. I don't understand. This is purely me, bridges, how they anchor them in water. I, I don't. Well, having uh, having uh, watched, watched documentary. plenty of documentaries, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, Explain uh, it, Joe. It's pretty cool, actually. They, they, it is, and I can't think of the word, but they create a dry. They a create coffer a, dam, a, a coffer kind of dam, yeah, uh, to uh, go down into the bedrock and anchor it that way, and then uh, somehow they keep the water away from that project while they're doing it, and then they remove the coffer dam, and the water comes back. Huh? You want to get it's, really confused and go to the channel. Yep. Where tunnels under, not only underwater, but under the earth, too, right? Well, not under the earth, but they're under the riverbed. There's under one the, in Virginia, yeah. uh, because I refused to take it when I was driving through there. Is it the Ches- Chesapeake? It goes uh, under underwater. I, I said, don't like nope. going from New Jersey to New York uh, under the tunnel. The Lincoln? No, yeah, no, thank you. It's under the river. Yeah, that's ah, not a big deal. Ah, that's no, thank not a big you. Deal. 
No. Yeah, it, it is kind of unnerving when you see water running down the wall, though. Yeah. <laughs> What's that there for? <laughs> in New Jersey, a five-minute video that shows Trenton's health officer in her underpants getting a massage in a conference room in front of other employees has triggered an investigation by the city as being reviewed by the prosecutor's office. Hmm. A since-deleted Instagram video forwarded to New Jersey Advanced Media shows Yvette Graffy Cooper wearing only her bra and panties as a woman uses a massage device to treat the health officer's shoulders, arms, back, legs, and stomach for cellulite reduction. Video was recorded in a second-floor conference room at the City Department of Health and Human Services on North Broad Street, according to City Councilwoman Robin Vaughn. Vaughn did not know when the video was taken, but the date on the screen shows February 24th. In the video, Graffy Cooper is wearing a bra and her panties while the masseuse uses the electronic wand on her neck and shoulders. At other points in the video, she's wearing only her bra and underpants and a seen lying. Kenny, I don't want to hear a thing. I really don't. I don't want no employees sitting at a conference table. Watch. Bingo! (laughs) It wasn't uh, immediately clear if the masseuse was paid uh, for or who hired her. I hope the taxpayers didn't foot the bill for that. I hope so too. And I I tried to find all over why. Of course you did. Why there were people sitting and watching. Was this. Well, you take your clothes off for a, a massage. Yeah, but maybe well, they charged so people weird. sitting around the table. They probably well, charged admission. Maybe she was giving a lesson. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. It's not bad. <laughs> Spectator. Uh, you, well, you remember the old when you were a kid looking through Mama's uh, Mom's Glamour magazine and Red Book, and in the back there was always a, a, an ad with a lady with one of those things, and she was using it on her neck. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know that that goes there. Well, maybe this will explain it. I you think I you, found the video. You don't put it in your ear. It's how you hide a little, hide a little, lie. That's your new disinformation director. Oh. The uh, city reserves comment at the moment. Uh, Graffy Cooper also has declined to comment when reached for a comment. I'm there, gonna, New York, John, were there people in the uh, audience going, lower, lower, lower? I, I don't. I, I, Hurry I don't, up. Kenny, I, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for yeah. that song getting stuck in people's heads today, aren't I? You generally get a lot of hate mail anyway. That's true. Is that a Mary Poppins song? Yes, sir. Yeah. Super Califragilisticexpialidocious. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. Yep. Thanks, Jim. I could I could continue, but I don't see any reason to. Well, you don't need to. That's a, that's a, you've done yeoman service. No, uh, thank and you. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll return. Truth, justice, and the souterrain. One, two, three, four. Hey, there's still time to enter the worst contest in the world. We're giving away a Traeger grill. I think it's happening Friday. I don't think so. 68 really? is the updated high from Ken Barlow's. It's a wonderful grill. It's from Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Store. It's a pellet grill. Apparently, they're the answer because they smoke and grill. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just wonderful. And all you have to do is go to our website and figure out how to enter the Friday uh, that you think it'll make the, the first 70 and the time, and the one closest to that will receive the new Traeger grill. And people are having success entering. Thousands have entered. And uh, I don't think it's this Friday. I sure hope it is. We're here. I would love to have a 
uh, a Friday opening when we're when we're present. But remember, I, I think the rules of GL have traditionally been it has to hit seventy while we're on the air. But I thought you amended oh. that rule because of the time Changing change with the, the show. Rules. Oh, maybe Every... we did. Maybe maybe it just, well, but it won't do us any good Friday if it becomes 70 at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. True, but what we will do is announce the winner on Monday's okay. program. There's still time to get in there. Go to our website, mm-hmm. and you'll see a banner, and then you go through the stuff and, and, and register. That's right. That's right. All right. Monday, yesterday, we... Uh, I expressed my amazement at the sexual education that so many young kids are exposed to. And I concluded that this can't be real. This, this can't be as universal as it sounds. These have to be isolated instances. And unfortunately, I got really, really a lot of email today pointing out that it's not as isolated as you think. Some of the emails were too personal and too sad to even read. Yeah. Uh, here's one. Well, I, I, Suffice to say, uh, it just—it's—it's it's really personal. I'm not going to read the ones that are that personal. I, I received one, and I was, uh, it, yeah. On school, uh, J- Joe, uh, on schools quietly working on a gender focus. My niece is a third grader in the Orono School District. The district is a wealthy area of families that move there for high quality schooling. My niece is a garage logic gal and lives on an old family farm built when most of Orono was farmed. Her daughter was set to attend a nature camp that happens every year. A concerned parent looked into the camp Tanaduna, which is run by Campfire Minnesota out of Excelsior. I am sending a website address that shows what was really planned. And she did. A ray of hope is that parents who had no intention of sending their kids to be indoctrinated got together and had their own camp where the kids played in nature. Frightening how parents have to be constantly vigilant in the schools who have an agenda. Big-time listener and so enjoy all of you. Displaced Minnesotan living in Wyoming, uh, Mary, and she linked me to an Alpha News story where we learned that an Orono Elementary School is sending third graders on a day trip to a camp that promotes left-wing gender ideology. The parent, uh, a parent told Alpha News, the parent who has a student at Orono Intermediate School and asked not to be identified by name raised concerns with school administrators when she learned the truth about Camp Tanaduna, which is operated by an organization called Campfire Minnesota out of Excelsior. The organization describes inclusion as one of its core values and trains its staff on navigating age-appropriate conversations and questions on gender and sexuality. This is third grade. The organization supports LGBTQIA2S campers by offering boy, girl, and all-gender housing, uh, trans and non-binary campers in accordance with their gender identity and preferred cabin options, and flying the pride flag. Uh, uh, Campers are also given the opportunity to share their pronouns and their introductions during icebreakers, while staff wear name tags with their pronouns displayed. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but... That was that story out of Orono, uh, and I got uh, I got one here from the the uh, the wilds of the state of Washington. I understand the tendency as a logical person or a garage logician to lean towards the notion that it doesn't make sense that parents are purposefully kept out of the loop if their kids decide at school that they are the other gender. It seems that most normal people wouldn't think that is possible, especially at the elementary age or if the kids are somehow getting access to medical or physical treatments to transition. 
I live in Washington State and am not even close to the country's tallest buildings, and that is the case here. A very good friend of mine is a paraeducator at an elementary school here, and she told us about one of the girls at their school who now wants to be referred to as Jack. The teachers are specifically not allowed to tell the parents about this and are not allowed to tell the parents anything related to these topics about their kids. This is not an inner city or what I would call even a woke school district. It is out in the countryside and timbered areas of the state. My friend told the story in the context of what she is supposed to do if she runs into the kid with her par- with their parents at a store or away from school. What is going to happen to her if she refers to the kid as the, by the new name and her parents find out that way? On Monday, you guys talked about the woman who was suing a school because they were refusing to tell her about her 13-year-old gender transition program, and you moved on to the impression that this is just a rare event that is being embellished or blown out of proportion. Well, I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. Even if this is a rare event right now, if parents are purposely kept in the dark about their grade school kids on the issue, how long will it be before it's a regular occurrence? I would say it won't be very long. The camel's nose and much of the head are in the tent Regards, Dan in Buckley, Washington. I, I can't tell you how many of these I, I received. Uh, Joe, I appreciate your desire to assume the best when discussing the topic of transgender issues in the schools. Specifically, you mentioned the mother uh, whose teen was under a transition plan in the school as she questioned her gender with a group of her friends decided to transition. Sadly, this is not as rare as you and the guy seem to think or hope that it is. I know you follow Barry Weiss, as do I. She interviewed an author named Abigail Schreier about her research regarding transgender issues with teen girls, and then she links me to the interview. Uh, Link me to a Wall Street Journal commentary by Schreier, who uh, wrote the book, who wrote a book, what's the the, honesty, courage in the face of book, whatever. It's, in other words, I'm getting reports from people that don't don't be assumed that... uh, Mm -hmm. Here's one. Finally, I'll just read this final one. Huge fan of you all. Been listening for years. I uh, have never called or emailed before, but c- felt compelled when I heard you guys fairly dismiss the story of the Florida mom who wasn't consulted about the 13-year-old's gender dysphoria. I'm attaching the guidance given to teachers right here in Minnesota. The second, I mean, I'm sorry, the largest school district in Wright County. Please note page 7 to 10 on the FAQs. This was the curriculum you lose last year, used last year to instruct the teachers on how to react. So while this may not be happening in Rookie's Daughter School or Reavers, it's a far more than a one-off here and there. It's school district by school district across the country, and it's gaining steam. As you all mentioned, I think much of this is a 13-year-olds being 13-year-olds. But when the teachers jump in and encourage and support the young students without discussing uh, with the parents, that's where the rub is. Please review the short 10 pages and consider. Thank you, Jay. Uh, and they linked me to the uh, Would to that be stuff. considered close to the country's tallest buildings? Wright County. Well, that's what, Monticello, and right? Uh, 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 wow. Know. Yeah. Wow, I thought Kenny wow, had wow. some before I did the... I got the Lyman's phone number. We got to have him on the air. Okay. Want to give it to me right now? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know what the Lyman's need? They need a home base. They need a house to go home to. Well, they're in Eden Prairie. We'll learn whose house they've they've camped at. And well, maybe the house they need they they're at needs an addition just to accommodate uh, their needs and their luggage or and some their guests stuff. that would come to visit them. And it just so happens 
that I have a guy. I have a number of guys. They all work for Aim High Construction, MN.com. Uh, those people need a three-car garage, attached, detached, fine. Tear down a crappy old garage, throw up a brand new one, that's also not a problem. Floors, windows, siding, roofs, sidewalks, porches, uh, decks, pull that ghetto deck out of there, slap in a new one, brand new, fancy. All of that, no problem with aimhighconstructionmn.com. If it's construction-related, they can do it, from tiny little small projects to major remodels to brand-new ground-up construction, indoors, outdoors, whatever. All they need is time. Get the bid ball rolling. If you're having dreams, you're having these thoughts, get a hold of Chris. Um, find out what it's going to cost and what it'll cost six months down the road when the price of materials has either gone up or gone down. Uh, I've used them before. I'll definitely use them again. Aimhighconstructionmn.com. There's one more note I wanted to say. I don't know what compelled Sanibel Jim to uh, do a deep dive into the Dilbert cartoon. I don't read Dilbert in the comic pages. I thought we weren't calling him that anymore, Sanibel Jim. That's why, no, that's, that's how he's known. Okay. You know, because Jim, I mean, there's a million Jims. That's true. Joe, this is what appears on page E2 of the Star Tribune this morning. And he was referring to the Dilbert cartoon yesterday morning. And then below it, he said, this is what the actual cartoon today looks like as it appears on the Dilbert website. All right. So the readers of the Dilbert cartoon in yesterday's Star Tribune got a three-panel Dilbert cartoon, first panel, with all these uh, poorly drawn characters sitting there. Management asked me to add some diversity to the engineering team. Second panel, meet Dave. Dave says, I identify as white. You're ruining everything, Dave. That's, that's what the readers saw. That's why I don't read Dilbert, because I'm finding that not funny. I don't even know what the hell I'm supposed to think. Okay. But here's what the panel appeared like on Dilbert's website. Same three panels. Management asked me to add some diversity to the engineering team. Meet Dave. Now Dave's a black guy and says, I identify as white. You're ruining everything, Dave. That's the final panel as the guy sits there as a black guy. <laughs> I'm confused. Well, I, I get it. What helped me, John? I'm a bit confused, well, well, too. Well, the the first one, there's there's no joke there because the guy's white, correct? Right. And he says, I identify as white. Uh, but if he's black, then he goes against the uh, the folks who want the diversity training to be, uh. or diversity whatever, uh, to relate somehow to minorities. Well, then to, the, to, then the to, original Dilbert cartoon, as he drew it, is much better than the one the Star Tribune well, printed. Yeah, and it's, it's something you can giggle at, yes. It makes much more sense. Also, in the foreground of panel number one and panel number three, in the one the Star Tribune printed, the people who only we only see their back, they're they're white. And in the one Dilbert did, the people who's only we only see their backs are black. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well so so doesn't Scott Adams have a bone to pick with the Star Tribune? What are you doing would, changing my cartoon? Wouldn't that be illegal? I would now, think so. You know what I mean? I would think you can't change somebody's... Uh, Is that copyright infringement? Well, it's a copyrighted comic strip. Hmm. Uh, Dilbert.com. Uh, distributed by Andrews News. Yeah, they, I don't think the... I don't know. I find it... Sanibel, if you want me to say that that's interesting, you're absolutely right. That's interesting it is, as hell. It is. 
Somebody somebody jacked around something there. Didn't they make a movie? I would like movie? to look it up, but I can't get my Google to work. They made a movie off that comic strip, did they not? Late I have 90s? no idea. Dilbert? I have no idea. Can we uh, go back to the first very depressing 15, 20 minutes of the program today? Did we know at that point that Chief Justice uh, Roberts had confirmed that the leak draft we, of... Yes. Did we, okay, so go quarters. ahead, Chris. I, we need a lot of quarters. Silver dollars. Kenny. Silver dollars for me, Chris. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yes, Joe, Joe and I both pointed that out. Maybe, you know what? I'm going to even send a check for this one. Yeah. Oh, 100 bucks. Only We did it twice. I'm sorry, Joe. Because Joe did it at first, and then during my news, that was the... Uh, kicker to the story basically that he had said it was all uh, authentic and, what, what now but not a finalist <laughs> only because they come to us all the way from eden prairie minnesota the current all location the of the trail alignment said anything i knew it on this day in 1865 john campbell head of an outlaw band that had murdered the jewett family of garden city is hanged by a crowd of 800 angry men in mankato Caught in Mr. Jewett's clothes, Campbell claims during his mock trial that Indians had committed the crime, captured him, and forced him to wear the victim's clothes. The jury finds him guilty but recommends waiting for a real trial before handing down his punishment. The mob persisted, however, and Campbell eventually confessed to the crime. On this day in 1959... Today is May 3rd. After passing through the St. Lawrence Seaway, which had opened on April 25, the British freighter Ramon de de Larinaga became the first deep-draft ocean ship to enter Duluth Harbor. Hmm. Was the life being sucked out of the ocean back then, as we learned earlier in the show today? That's so depressing. On this day in 1989, Charlotte Day, founder of the Red Schoolhouse of St. Paul, died. A member of the Boy Fort Band of Ojibwe, Day founded the school to meet the needs of Native American children, teaching Native languages and culture, as well as in English reading and math skills in Native contexts. Thank you, GLers. Yes, thank you. Hey, how are you? I Uh, apologize, GLers. (laughs) For what? <laughs> Everything I've said and For done. It's this, it's this this seasonal depression, ocean, animals facing mass extinction. You know it'll cure you up? Check out Garage Logic on YouTube, Kenny, where you can hit hey. the subscribe button and join the thousands of GLers that are getting daily content via the YouTube channel. You can also see us on all of our social media platforms that might depress you as well. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to download that PodMN app for your smart device. Dilbert was a TV series, Chris. You were right. Oh, briefly. I think I said oh, okay. that. Johnny, Krabby Coffee Shop. Krabby yeah. Coffee Shop tomorrow. Yep. Ugh. I'll be there. What are we doing? No we idea. Go, huh? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Wowzers. It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to our guy, Mr. Money Talk. Josh Arnold is with us once again, and now is exactly the time for you to do the same and call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by picking up that phone and calling 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. When you call that number, you get Josh, and you're also going to get straight talk, and you're never going to get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is on 
on the line with us once again. And Josh, it continues to be about earnings and the Fed, doesn't it? Earnings and the Fed, Chris. It'll continue to be about earnings and the Fed until uh, the earnings news subsides towards the end of this month. The market has been moving, in my estimation, more on the Federal Reserve than on news about the Russia-Ukraine war or on China's slowing economy due to their COVID lockdowns. The COVID lockdowns in China have had an impact on earnings coming from numerous semiconductor companies and several of the technology companies and industrial companies who do do business in China. Favorite Apple reported last week on Thursday, excellent report. The stock went down on concerns that were voiced by the CFO of issues related to their supply chain that could put a Ford $8 billion hit to their revenue line due to supply constraints in China. That said, Apple's business in China is still very strong. They still are manufacturing in China, and it appears that the Chinese purchasing of services, that's Chinese citizens, not the country, the App Store apps has helped to increase Apple's services business. I still maintain my $250 price target on Apple over the course, it could be the next year, could be the next 18 months, but that's still a significant move from where it is today. Apple also announced a share buyback and increased their dividend. Apple got some additional kudos at Warren Buffett's annual meeting past Saturday. It was revealed that Berkshire Hathaway added another 400 million shares to their stake in Apple, giving Berkshire 911.5 million shares of Apple. It is my favorite stock, and we've talked about it a lot, and I'll continue talking about it. The Fed, however, has been influenced Influencing the market, particularly in the bond market. The Fed meets today and tomorrow and will reveal their interest rate move, said to be 50 basis points or one half of 1%, and will probably indicate that they will be fairly aggressive in their next meetings, also about the same level in their effort to reduce the inflationary pressures. The Fed will also talk about aggressively rolling off their balance sheet, and as they do that, that will boost yields on bonds and decrease bond prices. I have pointed out before, if you want to look at the effect of the Fed on interest rates, look at the market symbol TLT. As its yield has gone up, its price has gone down this year, going from $146 a share down to $118 a share. That's for a quote-unquote safe investment. That stock or that ETF is down in what I'd call the equivalent of a technology stock being down for the year. Pay attention to the Fed. Pay attention to earnings. Some positives on the earnings front coming from the fertilizer companies, as many reported better than expected. They see prices continuing to increase, which will add to their bottom lines. And several energy companies reported, including Devon, which increased its dividend and share share buyback. Uh, the energy companies, particularly the oil companies, 
say they're going to be very careful in their expansion and will be more shareholder friendly. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now's the time to pick up that phone and make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by doing just what I did. Pick up that phone today and call 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, once again, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll do this again on Thursday. We'll look forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.